You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a daze because I was, uh, I was in Newark today, so that's, that's something, and I was, we were watching Disney on Ice. So this was a whole... It was an amazing. It was it was amazing to observe this, and I cried a few times. Really, got close to it, and I also cried because I bought two souvenir cups and uh, um, and some popcorn, and it cost me forty bucks. <laughs> he said forty, and I was like, "That can't be right." All right, here's the credit card. Here we go, um, and that's that's frustrating that we kind of live in a place like that. Um, and it, it, it was more frustrating for me this week because I was, I was reading about Dorothy Day and Mother Teresa, and I couldn't uh, help but be reminded of, oh, we have some, we have some economic problems in the United States. There's a, there's a massive income inequality gap, you know, $40 popcorn. Um, I, and I, and, and, and I, as I was uh, thinking about this, I was getting angry. I don't ever get angry at the things that are happening around us, and you get frustrated, and sometimes you get profane. You ever curse when you're angry? And I, and I was trying not, and I, I sometimes, as Julie knows, sometimes I do, and, and I was trying not to let my anger turn into despair, right? Because that's, that's the unchecked anger. Anger is good even when, when things are bad, right? You can, God can use it in a good way. But if it moves me towards despair and hopelessness, that's not so good. And there's a lot of things that have happened recently in the United States that lead me to, to, uh, to, be, to be tempted by despair in my own anger. And I, and I didn't want to do that here as I was thinking about our economic problems in the United States. We have a major income disparity uh, the, the gap between the rich and the poor in the U.S., and it's massive, and it's frustrating, and almost, it's like Herculean. You can't even imagine ever overcoming it. And it's, 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 it's frust- so frustrating that sometimes curse words are the best words to use. Um, and I don't know, I, I get stuck. I don't know what to do. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to work this out. I don't even know how it affects me, really. Um, and I had a hard time thinking about, well, how am I going to talk about this? How do, I, how do I begin something like this? Because for the Christian, you could start by saying, Jesus calls us to be generous, uh, lovers and healers um, in the world, um, interested in poor people, um, being poor ourselves, and we should address this sin, um, this greed, this uh, economic form that makes such a disparity, and Jesus moves us to do that. But other times, you could just open your eyes to the trouble that's in the world, and then pray to Jesus. How do I how do I respond to this? And you might have come to this meeting uh, for one reason or another. You know, maybe your uh, conviction about the trouble in the world led you to Jesus. Or maybe Jesus led you to be convicted about the trouble in the world. It can go both ways, right? You might, you might, you might come here for, uh, for a, in, a, in a variety of ways, and it doesn't really matter how you got here. I'm glad you're here. Um, but you can read the, the Bible, the Scripture, for yourself and see, like, hundreds of passages about the poor and why it is truly Christian living to aid them. 
Or you can just know the statistics about the massive problem in the United States, right? I guess the, it doesn't, it's, it's okay. You know, there's, I think we need to care about poor people as Christians. I don't know if I have a general consensus about that here, although I might, but I think the Christians around the country need to. Um, you can look at contemporary figures and note that there's a huge, figures, numbers is the word that I wanted to use there, not like people, contemporary figures, and note that there's a huge problem in terms of income inequality in the United States. Um, or you can look at Dorothy Day and Mother Teresa and say, no, they really cared about this, and I should too. So I want to I, I I do that in this order. I want to talk about um, where the Bible is leading us, where God is leading us to care about the poor. I want to talk about the numbers themselves. And then I want to talk about Dorothy Day and Mother Teresa and how they led us and then what we can do. Um, so this isn't a coincidence. Jesus and Moses both say, the poor you will always have with you. It's our job to be open-handed toward them. You know, like the, uh, can you, this is too small. You're never going to see this. <laughs> the psalmist says, what? No, there's too many. There's eventually a bigger part you'll read. You just have to believe me about what's happening behind me. Is that okay? The poor you will always have with you, right? Jesus and Moses are saying that. Be open-handed towards them. The psalmist says we need to defend the cause of the weak and maintain their rights. And if we don't, if you show contempt for them, we disrespect God. And if we're kind to them, God rewards us. If we don't listen to the poor, we won't be listened to. We're all made of God, both rich and poor, and are loved equally by God. If we're indeed righteous, we'll care about justice for the poor. The wicked don't care about that. What does it mean to know God, Jeremiah asks? To defend the cause of the poor and the needy. That's what it means to know God. Zechariah tells us not to oppress widows and orphans, the poor or immigrants, really explicitly. Jesus calls the poor blessed. He says it's in the least of these that he is. Then he tells a man to sell everything that he has to get to heaven. All those possessions are fleeting anyway. They don't last. Sell them. Redistribute your wealth. James tells us the poor need the strongest faith. And of course, Jesus is often rejected by the wealthy, and so he befriends the poor to do his work on earth. Jesus cares about the poor. It's obvious in the Bible. These scripture passages might strengthen Christian charity, and even though there's a mention of justice and, and rights and equality and love of the poor and scorn for the rich, in fact, um, what, is the, what does the Bible say about the rich? Certainly, the, uh, have, you, have you heard the phrase 1%, like the 1% of, uh, of uh, wealth holders in the United States? They, they might be able to quote their great philanthropy and be justified in taking more than their fair share because they're so uh, philanthropic. But not if they read James, I suppose. Here's James 5 in a font I hope you can read out loud. Can, this is a little bit bigger, so go ahead, Robbie. Okay. Read it out loud. Sure. Pay attention, you wealthy people. Weep and mourn and moan over the miseries coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Moths have destroyed your clothes, your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be evidence against you. It will eat your flesh like fire. Consider the treasure you have hoarded in the last days. Listen, hear the cries of the wages of your, of your field hands. 
These are the wages you stole from those who have harvested your fields. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of heavenly forces. You have lived a self-satisfying life on this earth, a life of luxury. You have stuffed your hearts in preparation for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who does, who does not oppose you. Yeah, that's in the Bible. The Bible's pretty cool to read. You have stuffed your hearts in preparation for the day of slaughter. You know, that's, that's brutal, you know. Big, it's a hyperbolic argument, this prophetic argument that's happening. James is kind of channeling um, the hyperbole of the Old Testament prophets. It's clear that I think the writers of the scripture, the followers of Jesus, Jesus himself clearly, deeply cared about the poor. And not just in a charitable way, but in a way that longs for something new, like a new world. So we have this idea in our minds uh, that, that God is giving us this conviction, this spirit, if you're following along. Um, let's begin this application to where we are right now. Here are some images and pictures that might help you get an understanding of what income distribution is like in the United States. So th this is a little bit dated, but generally we're, we're, things aren't getting a lot better. Um, so nearly 35%, uh, um, the top 1% of the country owns 35% of its wealth. The next 10% own 39% of the country's wealth, and the bottom 90% own just a, a little bit over a fourth of it. So major disparity among the rich and the poor here. Are you seeing that? And the entire country is generally confused about how wealth is distributed. Here's what Americans think wealth distribution is in the United States and what they think it might be and what they think it actually is. So the first bar there is the actual distribution of wealth and how it works. Top 20%, second 20, third 20, fourth, and, uh, and the bottom 20. And then the bottom one is what they would like it to be and what they think it is. We don't, even, we don't even get the reality of what's happening around us. I and mean, this, is, this, is uh, this is a great thing for the richest of the rich because our people are even confused at how bad they have it. Today, the top 1% take a home a quarter of the nation's income. In 1975, it took 9%. That's a big shift big movement that's happening. The average worker in the US uh, needs to work a month to get what a top executive in his company makes in an hour. The top 1% own half of the country's stocks, bonds, and mutual uh, funds. The bottom half only own 0.5%. Let me just repeat that again, because it's kind of like flabbergasting. The top 1% of the country owns half Top 1% owns half the stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and the bottom half only owns 0.5% of it. Income, income also grows much more quickly for the super rich than it does for the poor, and even, and even more now than it ever has. Meanwhile, the bottom half of the country sometimes criticizes takers. The people that take they take in less investment income than three individual people earn in a year, right? The entire kind of welfare system consumes that, 
that much money, and it's, it's, it's what three investment bankers take home in a year. The income of a family of four on, on TAMF is literally less than what the average member of the Forbes Top 20 makes in a second in the office. Big problems, right? Astronomical, what do I do about this, right? If you took the, the richest 200 individuals in the world and combined their wealth or their net worth, the richest 200 individuals in the world and you combined their uh, wealth or net worth, it would be more than half of the world's wealth combined. The US has the fourth worst wealth inequality among nations. Okay, so that, that, is that enough for now? Might be a little uh, despairing. And you might, you might get to the despair. You might be angry and then you get uh, distressed in despair. What do I do? We really need an anti-poverty movement. And one that doesn't end in just uh, charity but the kind of liberating and institutional change that can actually uh, change the fabric of the world around us. And that's, that's the work that I think Jesus is doing in the world. And I think Jesus is uh, saving the whole world and changing the whole world. And I think the church is positioned to do something along with him. And to do something about wealth inequality in a systematic way but, but sometimes I think that in our despair we feel paralyzed or you might feel fairly neutral or maybe even a defender of the top 1%. So let's, let's be different. Let's try to do, do the right thing. Jesus is calling us towards that. There are certainly uh, ways that we can approach this work. Dorothy Day, Teresa of Calcutta, or worlds apart, literally and strategically, but both known for helping the poor. Do I have Mother Teresa up here? She was born into the church, and by 12, she, was, she felt a calling to follow God. She wanted to become a missionary and wanted to spread the love of God, and she left home at 18 and became a nun uh, by 1931, and she taught at St. Mary's High School in Calcutta and quit doing that because she was deeply impacted by the poor around her. She resigned and then devoted her life to, to poverty and to working with the poorest of the poor in the slums. And she established the Missionaries of Charity, which as, as locations across the world, uh, as, which proliferated locations across the world, um, and she became a profiled uh, fundraiser, a Nobel Peace Prize winner an advocate for the global poor, and she advocated fiercely for the poor and believed in even the, uh, the, the right to die with dignity. She received love and praise in both India and in the world from, from, from Christian and government and civilian groups. Her work challenged this idea that service and dedication were, were good enough on their own. We actually need to offer more than just service and dedication but love, joy to the poor. You know, that's their right as much as anyone else's. And in, in India, she would touch the untouchables, people at the lowest levels of society. She's known for her good work 
goodwill, kindness, her gentle and prayerful spirit. And that reputation preceded her in many ways. Dorothy Day, on the other hand, was a, was a chain-smoking uh, woman filled with the righteous anger of God, different kind of person. She might curse a few times. You know, the kind that flips tables. She spent most of her life in New York City and converted to Christianity later in her life. She went through her uh, share of dysfunctional relationships before she followed Jesus. So you might be more like Dorothy Day a little bit, too, because you have a lot of dysfunctional relationships, and then you finally follow Jesus. You know, you're not a, you're, you didn't start as a nun like Teresa, for example. She started the Catholic Worker newspaper. And she, she, um, her, her mentor encouraged her to write as a way of spreading Catholic social teaching and a peaceful society. And the two of them formed the Catholic Worker Movement, this group of autonomous communities that offer care and health care to poor people. She was a national and global advocate for the poor, believing that Jesus, Jesus was in the face of the poor. If you fail to see that, if you fail to see Jesus in the poor, maybe you'll fail to see Jesus at all. But more than just serving the hungry and sheltering the homeless and offering them clothes, she stated that a prayer was integral to her work. If you don't pray, you, you miss the point. Dorothy Day, Mother Teresa, well-known, well-loved examples of Jesus followers who are strong advocates for the poor. But it does seem like their contributions are small compared to the magnitude of the powers that be. You still might be blown away by the, by, the figure, by the figures I just listed off for you, even after hearing about these brave women and their work. Um, the elite 1%, big transnational corporations. You might even feel like enslaved to Amazon. Like you, like, 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 that's where I get all my stuff. Right? This is just a part of my, like the infrastructure of my existence. I don't even know how to not get certain things that Amazon sells from anyone else. Why would I do that? You know? And I have explicit, you have explicit instructions on your, because on, you live in Philly, right? So you have to have a special way to get the packages to you. Or else they enter into some labyrinth and postal system and you'll never see your socks again. We do anyway. We do. This is go go to Alice Walker across the street. She'll take the package for us. That's why it's good to have, be friends with your neighbors. They can hold your Amazon packages. <laughs> Word to the wise. That's a that's a good proverb. Maybe we should do that. We write proverbs around here. And they, they're, they're, there's many of them too. You don't even notice adding that one in. You know, you get a. Sneak it in, and then later on, you're like, huh. There's the Amazon proverb. <laughs> but you might feel stuck, right? There's insatiable greed. There's powers that are bigger than I am. The key isn't to, dis is to not despair. The systemic changes we seek uh, actually begin at a smaller level. Grassroots level, right? Mustard seed level, you might say. And we're doing a grassroots thing in Circle of Hope. And I wouldn't discount so quickly the great things our compassion teams are doing to resist evil and to restore God's goodness in the world. Our community can do a lot together. 
you know, we have modest goals for the most part. Um, we have a we have simple things we want to do. You know, we don't want to we don't want to get too grandiose, right? Thinking that we can just change the world as a little community, but our little part also counts. We're doing something significant, and so don't don't um, j- t- to comfort you. There is a limited amount of good that we can do as a community. The good thing is there's also a limited amount of bad we can do. Like even if we mess up, it's not that huge of a thing that's happening. Okay, so so modulate, right? You got to modulate the impact you have on a community, positive or negative. You know, we're not that big either way. So so don't 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 um hyperbolize your impact, right? But we still want to do the right thing. Um, And here are a few ways that we can do it, getting us from here to there. Share your money. Both uh, Day and Teresa lead us there. You know, share it with the common fund. That's That's not only the place you share it, but start there. I think it's an appropriate starting point. But in general, feel free to give it away. You know, it, it, unlo- it unlocks something in you when, you when you get rid of your money. You know, even as I was buying this $40 souvenir for some reason that my children are going to forget about, I'm still thinking about it, but I don't think I'll think about it next week, right? <laughs> like, I, I still think it's stupid that they have it, like, in my head. Like, this is completely ridiculous that we bought this. You know, the $40 that I blew on it is also ridiculous, you know, what am I going to do? Complain about 40 bucks? Because, you know, like, it's, it's, a, it's a both end, right? I have, to, I have to be loose with it. You know, I'm not suggesting you just give your money away to um, Prudential, uh, the Prudential Center ventures or, uh, vendors or something like that. But hold it loosely. If you hold it too tight, it might hurt you. It might hurt who you are, your character. That's what the Bible says. Um, give it away. Um, we... we, we we so often give our uh, money to systems that perpetuate inequality because we have to. Um, but what if you donated your money to compassion teams or to another organization um, and didn't get something back for like an insignificant tax credit? Like, what if it was just as a result of the goodness of your heart? I think you're cu- those kinds of people. You know, giving your money to the common fund helps, we always say this, helps put people in counseling, helps annihilate consumer debt, pays for, uh, provides affordable things to people in need through our thrift stores and BGXs, baby goods exchanges, and so on. But it also does something to us, right? It changes how we relate. I think that that, 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 that character change disrupts this, this economic form, right? It requires you to be greedy and, 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 and anxious and afraid and living in scarcity. When you share your money, you disrupt this idea that, that, that's placed on us um, with none of our actual consent. You're kind of just born into the world and your desires are supplied for you. Your fear is supplied for you. Share your money and unlock that. And then touch, touch the untouchables, like Teresa. And I don't just mean touch sick people. Although we were huddling a second ago. I think we were all sick. So that's one way to do it. Touch people that are ignored in society. And if you think they're just poor, they're not. 
You know, befriend your neighbors, and not just so they hold your Amazon packages. Um, many of our neighbors are some of the poorest we're talking about. You know, Philadelphia has a lot of poverty. Go and have lunch at Love Park and see how many homeless people you can talk to. That's good, I think. I think it might lead to a lot of good. That relationship, that connection, you know. I often don't give away my money to people that ask me for it, like around town. But I at least try to talk to them. And not just, not sit down and have a heart-to-heart. Even just say, sorry, man, I can't do it today. Or, sorry, man, I'm just going to... I'm not even going to ignore you. Got to look at you. Have a little connection. That 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 might seem cheap to you because I'm not actually giving away any money, but that that have have a have a, have that take that moment to have a relationship with somebody. And sometimes I say to them, you know, you talk you talk to me every day. It's okay. I just want you to know. Remember me too. Let's let's let's. I'm around here. Um, if we're going to really change the world, we need to touch everyone. Right? Make friends with people. That disrupts this economic form, too. You know, if there's one thing that social media is teaching us is that all of us are a little bit untouchable, too. We don't even uh, have to have face-to-face relationships to know what's happening in the lives of our friends. If you're like me, you feel bad for not knowing what's happening. Like, if I don't look through the, all the Instagram stories about, of my friends, I feel guilty because I feel like they've told me something and I haven't, I've ignored them. Right, that's the kind of world I live in for some reason. I don't think that's that normal. Um, our relationships can get stale and digitized that way. You know, we can become untouchable in a sense. But 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 let's 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 have a little messy community together. Invite someone to your cell who might not agree with you about uh, worldwide poverty and income inequality. Wouldn't that be something? That's a great thing to do. Let's work together on that goal. Give away your money. Relate to people that might help you change the world. Use your voice, too. Do I have use your voice up here? No, but it it could be. Defend the vulnerable like Day does in The Catholic Worker. In a world of endless voices, make your voice heard. It means something. You count for something. Someone's going to listen to you. You have influence on your own. It's meaningful. Share it with the world. Voice your opinion. You have a lot to contribute to the general discourse. And honestly, these days, anything you contribute to the general discourse is, uh, is, an, is an advantage. Any civil discourse we can have is like already, like we're, we're, you're already past the line of scrimmage there. You're doing real good. Because if you haven't noticed, the discourse in the country isn't exactly uh, um, generous. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not very, it's, not, it's very hot right now. And don't just deconstruct either. Try to offer a vision of a different world altogether. Protest, tear down, I'm down with that. But promote, plant something, build something new. You know, you might feel so angsty you just start deconstructing what we're doing here for some reason, right? Because you don't know, how do I even build anything? I'm suspicious of everyone. You might be suspicious of Julie too. I'm leaving after this. You'll have her next week or two weeks from now or whenever, right? Be cautious about, about that negative instinct you might have. You know, we're, we're doing both in Circle of Hope, resisting and restoring, as we say. We need partners to do it. Serve with us. Make a difference. You can do that. We, everyone counts here. <laughs> your, your participation means something. You know, your little contribution to the Common Fund, that counts. 
Everyone has, an option. Uh, everyone has the option to participate. Your time, your voice are important to what we're doing. And I hope you can feel that. I hope you know that. Um, so I think these steps are a pretty good start. And here's the thing. You, you might not be Dorothy Day or Mother Teresa when you're doing it. That's not the point. If you take it easy on yourself, you might think you can do a little. A little. And that's good enough. You know, you don't need to be in the 1% of world changers either. Your love, your prayer, your generosity could be better distributed too. Let's say a prayer and do some talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for being here, for, the, uh, for seeing you, Jesus, as a prophet in the world who, who speaks to the trouble we find ourselves in. May we, uh, and may we as, as we approach it and as we try to change it, may we take heart knowing that you've overcome the world, that you're redeeming the whole place, that you're saving the whole world, and our participation is, uh, is, is, is revealing what you're doing. It's, it's unveiling what you're doing. Keep showing up in a real way to us. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.